0: Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Today's sermon text is found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, and we'll be considering verses 20 till the end. So the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 20 till the end I appeal to you brothers bear with my word of exhortation for I have written to you briefly you should know that our brother Timothy has been released with whom I shall see you if he comes soon greet all your leaders and all the saints those who come from Italy send you greetings grace be with you grace be with all of you this is the word
1: of god Amen. From this final passage in the book of Hebrews, I'll bring a message entitled, Blessed to be a Blessing. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Father, we thank you already for this opportunity we've had to worship, and we continue in the spirit of worship. We, Lord, thank you that you've made it possible for us to enter in, as we have sung about today. We know, Lord, that would be impossible for us to draw near to you as we know very clearly you made through the Old Testament the, the clear warning against uh, even attempting to come near. But we thank you now that through Jesus we we're able to draw near. We thank you that as you tell us in the opening words there in, in Hebrews that you in these, in these times have spoken To us by your Son, whom you appointed the heir of all things, again through whom you have created all things, that He, Lord Jesus, is the is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of his power. And we come in that name this morning, just praying that you will now meet with us, that you will, by the work of your spirit, speak to us and through us. Lord, that you will uh, just give light to your word this morning, that you will bring uh, light to every heart in life. Lord, those who know you and, and Lord, need to uh, grow as we all do in our relationship with you and more fully, Lord, uh, Uh, Lord, receive and claim the blessings that we've been blessed with through Christ, and Lord, those who don't know you, that they would be awakened to their need for you and be brought to repentance and faith. We pray that you'll continue to be glorified today, that you'll receive our worship today as we respond to the Spirit of God, as we obey the Word, as we desire, Father, to be not merely hearers of the word, but doers of the word, and therefore glorify you. We love you, exalt you, and praise you. In Jesus' glorious name we pray, amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Well, you may know that that is a, a, a very famous benediction found in Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. It's known as the Aaronic uh, blessing or the Aaronic benediction, um, and because it was uh, uh, penned uh, by Aaron, the brother of Moses, who was the high priest of Israel, and, uh, and so uh, therefore it was used often in worship of the Old Testament saints uh so we we uh, know that the the word benediction has been defined by hayford's bible handbook as a prayer of blessing that god may bestow certain kindnesses upon his people. And when we come to the New Testament, is that a practice that ceased? No, in fact, we find in most of the epistles inspired through the Apostle Paul, a, uh, a benediction in most of, those, uh, most of those New Testament books, even as we read here and uh, close with this morning in the book of, of Hebrews. And so uh, it is a, an important practice. In fact, you may have noticed that we now have been closing our worship times in a benediction, in the uh, reading of a benediction from Scripture. And I will confess to you that having been a pastor a number of years, that's not been a a practice in my ministry. I'll be a little further honest about it. I kind of thought that was just sort of a, a, uh, you know, formal thing to do and not really, you know, uh, sort of a high church sort of practice. But I was wrong. Uh, because it's obviously a biblical practice and something we see, uh, we believe it was done uh, by early churches as well, and is a good practice for us today because, again, it's scripture, it's the word of God. And so God wants us to understand and know what blessings are ours and can be ours as the people of God. Well, the writer of Hebrews is coming to the conclusion now uh, of this book, and so are we. And it has been a wonderful blessing. We started back in. In June of 2018, we have taken a, a couple of breaks along the way, but nonetheless, we've been in the book of Hebrews for some time, and I come to the, the end with a little bit of sadness because it has been a wonderful experience for me. I hope and trust it has been for you as we've dug deeper into the Word of God. When I started, I had some pastors close to my age who said, I've never, I've never preached through the book of Hebrews, and it was my first experience to preach through the book. It has been uh, challenging at times. It drove me to more desperate prayer and study, which is always a good thing and always a growing uh, sanctifying process uh, in our lives. And as we have seen the truth demonstrated over and over again in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is infinitely greater. We were blessed last Sunday night, were we not, by the the musical presentation and overview of the the book of Hebrews. I had kind of thought about maybe going back and recapping, but the the musical did an excellent job for us in that regard. And I hope, uh, even though we said we're ending this series, I hope you'll you'll continue to study uh, the book of Hebrews. I trust that you will and apply its principles and truths in your life. So, this morning, we're going to look at this benediction, this great benediction, this prayer, if you will, for God's blessing. And we can claim this blessing as the people of God because, and I want to remind you as we entitle the message, we are blessed to be a blessing. And so that's what we desire will come as a result. So note three truths from this final passage and this benediction this morning. First of all, notice the provider of blessing described here in verse 20. Uh, in verse 20, the writer gives us some descriptions of God's uh, nature, God's character, uh, because it helps us to know who's blessing us, uh, who's qualified. You know, there are the, certain uh, uh, denominations, religions, and so forth who, who, and where people, adherents, will want to seek a blessing from maybe some individual. Well, the reality is There's only one who can truly give a blessing, and that is God. And God is qualified to give blessing. And we see uh, how he's qualified and what his descriptions are of his nature here. First of all, notice that he is the God of peace. That's how he begins there uh, in in verse 20, the God of peace. The word peace often found in Scripture. In the Old Testament, you may know that it is the Hebrew word shalom, shalom. And, and again, it, it speaks of, 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 of wholeness, soundness, well-being. So uh, again, Hebrew people would, uh, would say then and still say, Shalom, God's peace upon you, God's wholeness, God's soundness, God's well-being. Well, the truth of the matter is that left to ourselves, we do not have peace. Not only do we not have internal peace, because you know a lot of people pray for peace, they pray for uh, for world peace. They, they pray that we might have peace as a nation, that we might individually uh, be at peace. But the truth is we have no peace. And the problem and the reason we have no peace is because of our sin problem. Sin separates us from God. In fact, the Bible says sin puts us at enmity with God, makes us an enemy of God. And so the reason for a lack of peace is because of a lack of a relationship with the God of peace. Could that be you today? Could you be, would you acknowledge today if your need for God and, and recognize that you do not have peace with God and therefore you cannot have uh, uh, cannot know God's peace? Romans 5:1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. God. That is the good news. God has made it possible for us to be reconciled with God, to have a relationship with him, to remove that enmity. And, and where that happened was at the cross. He at the, the, the Lord Jesus at the cross, the, the Bible says, uh, received all of the wrath of God against sin. He became sin for us. All of God's wrath being poured out upon him. He paid our hell debt for us so that we, the Bible says, no longer are uh, condemned. We are then made justified. We're made right with him. And therefore, once we have peace with God, then and only then can we have the peace of God. And that is described so clearly in Scripture. One passage, for example, Second Thessalonians, which by the way is another benediction, in Scripture says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. And then Paul described that peace in Philippians 4 7 as the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. He prayed that that, that kind of peace will guard our heart and mind through. Christ Jesus. Are you experiencing, first of all, have you experienced peace with God? Has there been that time in your life, as described in the testimonies of these young men today, that when you recognize your sin and you turn from sin and trust in Christ, and at that moment you experience peace with God? And are you now enjoying, as a child of God, the peace of God? That is the God. That is the blesser. That's the one who provides this blessing he is the god of peace secondly notice he's the god who sent jesus to die for us he's described here as the one who brought again from the dead jesus died colossians 1:20 speaking of peace said jesus made peace by the blood of his cross he shed his blood he died on the cross and and as we see Again, over and over again in the book of Hebrews, he established this new covenant. Uh, Again, notice that it is by the blood of the eternal covenant, he says here in verse 20. It's an eternal covenant. The old covenant, as we saw, it was was not that there was anything wrong with the old covenant. God was very intentional in the old covenant. It was just that it wasn't complete. Uh, it, It wasn't final it was pointing ultimately to the need for a new and better covenant. And Jesus, of course, is the initiator, the provider of this eternal covenant of blood through his own blood. And that's what he said, and that what we celebrate every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we celebrate that new covenant through the Lord Jesus, and that it is an eternal covenant through his blood. We saw that back in Hebrews uh, chapter 9, 11 to uh, 15, notice he says, "...but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that are to come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption." For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offer himself without blemish to purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant. Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant because, the, because he gave himself for us and the Father sent the Lord Jesus. Paul described his gift in, of himself in Romans eight thirty two the Father's gift to us of Jesus. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And a God who would give us his son, the Lord Jesus, at such great cost, the God who would do that is obviously qualified to give us all that we need to bless us fully through the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice, thirdly, he's the God who raised Jesus from the dead. In fact, in the original text, it is the words, our great shepherd, occur first in the Greek text. Uh, and so it is the shepherd who was raised. He laid down his life as our shepherd. He was raised again. In John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And in John 10, 17, again, he says, for, Jesus said, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. The Lord Jesus died absolutely, but praise God, he was raised the third day. And the Bible describes it at times that the Father raised Jesus, that Jesus raised himself, and that the Spirit raised him. All the Godhead was involved, uh, the Trinity was involved, all persons of the Trinity involved in the resurrection of Jesus. And the resurrection of Jesus affirmed God's acceptance of Jesus sacrifice, his atonement on, on, on our behalf. It demonstrated the power of God, a God who could uh, give himself for us and yet be raised the third day. He has the power again to keep the promise he has made to us. And again, makes possible now, therefore, for us to be raised. He's the resurrection and the life, Jesus said. And, and again, in John 11, and the fact that when we put our faith and trust in him, we will not die. We'll die physically, but he's tasted of the second death for us and made it possible for us to live forever with him because of the fact that the resurrection lives in us and he is our life. Jesus said uh, that he uh, is alive, and again, he's alive forever. The resurrection, dear friend, changed everything. Amen? And the resurrection changes us. And changes everything in our lives. But fourth and finally, in this, in this part, he is God. He is the God who gave us our great shepherd. Jesus is not only, as Hebrews says, our great high priest, he's the great shepherd of the sheep. He's not only in heaven, uh, seated at the right hand of the Father, he is with us as his church and as his sheep. He's a living shepherd. Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Is Jesus your shepherd today? Are you following him as your shepherd? I, I love all the analogies of the, of the church, the bride of Christ, the, the, the body of Christ, the building of Christ but also we are the flock of Christ. We are his sheep, and he is our shepherd, and he is here with us. We are his church, and we continuously remind ourselves this is not our church. This is Jesus' church. We are his flock, and we are following him, and he is, is with us. So these are the attributes, the, if you will, the descriptions The one who has provided the blessing uh, that we have in Christ. These early believers were struggling. They needed this word of encouragement. They were struggling with increasing persecution in their lives and being tempted to to turn back to their old way of life, turn back to who they had been. And again, that's the message over and over again in, in Hebrews is do not turn back and do not drift and do not fall away. And so we also need to be reminded of that message today. We may be struggling with different things. What are you struggling with today? You too will need this encouragement. You too need to hear God's people remind you and encourage you. And again, that is why we need one another. We're reminded of the power of our great God, the the great love of our great God. And he is worthy of all of our trust and our total surrender and our obedience. And once again, I ask you today, do you know this provider? Do you know him today? You see, a lot of people know about him. Perhaps what I've mentioned to you and what I've told you about him from this one verse, maybe that's not new to you. Maybe you knew he was the God of peace and you'd heard that Jesus was sent by the Father and he died and, and that he rose again and you've heard that, again, he's the shepherd of his sheep, his flock. But do you know him? Do you have a relationship? It's not enough to know about the provider, God. Do you know him? You can today if you do not, and and we pray that you will come to know him today. We've prayed for some of you in this room today who who are are here, and we're so glad you're here, but you've not yet acknowledged Christ as Lord. You've not expressed your dependence on him and turned from sin and trusted in Christ, and we are praying that you will recognize your need for him and repent of sin and trust in Jesus as your Lord. So again, we see the provider of the, the blessing describe. But notice with me in verse 21 at the, the prayer for blessing expressed. What is this prayer? What is this blessing that he, that he is giving? You know, uh, think about it. Uh, one of the most common uh, prayers that people pray is, Lord, please bless, and then put the name there, right? You do that? We all do, right? I heard uh, Chuck Swindoll say we, we, we could call them the, the B prayers, you know. Uh, bless them and be with them. Bless them and be with them. Well, what do you mean when you pray that? When you pray for God to bless them, well, well, I want to just say you may not know right now, but I hope that when we look at this one verse today that you'll have a better idea of what it means to pray blessing upon someone. And in fact, if you want to know how to pray biblically for someone, use the prayers of the Bible. Use the blessings of the Bible. Here's a great one that you can use in your prayer for other believers. And so I'm going to approach it that way with you this morning to help us in our praying for others. First of all, pray that God will equip us, as your fellow believers, with everything good. That's what the writer of Hebrews says here. Again, verse verse, uh, 21, he will equip you with everything good. Good. The word equip here means to make someone or something completely adequate, sufficient, or fully qualified. This word, uh, used at other places in Scripture, uh, uh, it was used in this day and time very commonly. It was used by by a fisherman uh, to uh, to speak of mending a torn net. When God is equipping us in our lives, sometimes there has to be some mending done in our lives, doesn't it? We have some mending because of some hurts and some difficulties and some challenges in our lives. We need mending. And and so we are praying that as we pray uh, that God will again uh, bring about wholeness in the life and restoration in the life of one another. Doctors use this for setting a, a broken bone. And again, that speaks of the, the tenderness with which we, uh, we need to minister to one another. Galatians chapter 6, he is overtaken in a fault. You who are, uh, who are godly and, and to, are to restore uh, such a one. That's the same use of that word there. Uh, so again, that's a, a, an aspect of this equipping. Uh, sailor, sailors use this uh, to speak of outfitting a ship for a voyage. So again, we need, we need, uh, we're on a journey, aren't we? We're on a voyage, if you will. And we need to be equipped for this journey, this voyage that we're on as believers. And, and so we're equ- praying that God will equip one another with everything good for this journey, this voyage that we're on. Soldiers use this term to mean uh, to being armed for battle. Ephesians describes the whole armor of God we're to put on. So there's a lot that can be said as we're praying that God will equip us with everything good. That word everything is a comprehensive word, everything we need. And you know what? The beautiful thing is, is that we have been equipped with everything we need. Amen? And uh, 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says, his divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life, and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. There's a couple of things specifically scripture mentions that God has equipped us with. He's equipped us with the word of God. He tells us in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 that through the word of God that we might be equipped for every good work. You need the word of God. You can't be equipped in your life without the word of God. Are you equipping yourself every day through God's Word, spending time in the Word every single day? I would just say to you, dear friend, if you go out without getting in the Word and you haven't been in the Word, you are not equipped. You're not ready. Another thing that he tells us we're equipped with is, again, in, in Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, evangelist. And pastors and teachers uh, equip us for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's why, again, you need the local church. You need to be under not only your own time in the Word, but also you need to be equipped with the Word. And, of course, many other things obviously are important. Your, your, your prayer life uh, is, is vitally important to equipping you for uh, what God has called you to be and to do. Pray that God will equip us with everything good. Secondly, pray that God will enable us to do His will. And of course, we know, as we've said already, His will is revealed to us in His Word. And of course, doing His will is obeying His Word and being like Jesus. The Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 7, that Jesus came to do the Father's will. And isn't it wonderful to know that we have the one who perfectly fulfilled the will of God living inside of us, Jesus? And therefore, we can depend on him to enable us to obey the Father and to fulfill his will. Because Jesus depended on the power of the Holy Spirit. And we must depend on the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit to do the will of God. Third, pray that God will work in us that which is pleasing him. This is literally doing in us. And Paul conveyed this idea in Philippians 2.13. He said, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That word for work there means energizing. He energizes us. In other words, he gives us the desire to do it. You know, what changes in us? You've heard these testimonies of these young men today. What changes us when we come out of the world and come into Christ? What changes? Well, again, one of the things that changes is our our desires. The Bible says we are new creations in Christ, and now we have a desire for things we didn't used to have. We have a hunger for what we didn't have before. And so the Bible says it's God who works, who energizes you both to will, and that will, again, means to desire, to desire the things of God. To want to be in the Word of God, to want to spend time with God in prayer, to want to share the gospel with unbelievers, to want to worship. You see, to to an unbeliever, that looks silly, crazy, unnecessary, and something I wouldn't want to do at all. But when Jesus changes you, he gives you a new desire, and he increases. Does that mean that as believers we don't ever get lazy? Does that mean some days we think, I don't really want to read the Word? No, yeah, sure we have those. But again. We have the desire within us. We have the new creation of Christ within us that enables us, gives us desire to want, and also not only to want it, but also to do it, to work for his good pleasure. Isn't it good to know that we can please God? You know, you think uh, there's nothing in ourselves that can please God. There's nothing about us that can please God. But when Christ is in us and enabling us, to offer up, as we looked earlier, the sacrifices of our service and of our lives and of our joy and our worship. Our lives can actually be pleasing to God. And what a great knowledge and great privilege to be able to please the God who created us. Pray that God will work in us that which is pleasing to him. But number four, pray that we will glorify Jesus as our source. Notice he says again, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Everything in the Christian life comes through Jesus. We saw that in back in chapter 13, verse 15. He is our source. And Ephesians 1, 3 says that God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I remember a, a lady that when I was just a, a teenager, I remember hearing a lady who was in a particular denomination that That was very experience oriented, and I remember her describing about how she was seeking God's blessing, and something about it just didn't quite fit well with me, and it just didn't quite sound right. And you know, but when we are when we have Jesus, we already have received everything we need. We've received, you see, He's the source of all blessing in our life. And what the Bible means when it comes through Jesus, everything we need, we already have in Jesus. We continue to go to Him, we continue to seek Him, and He is the source of all blessing in our life because he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Someone counted 169 times that Paul mentions the phrase in Christ or in Christ Jesus in his New Testament epistles. Again, because we're in Christ, everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to us. The Bible says we are joint heirs with Jesus. So again, as we pray for one another, pray and, and, and in your own life, see Jesus as your source. Don't be looking outside of Jesus for your needs to be met. Look to Jesus as your source. Don't look to your spouse primarily. Don't look to, uh, to your employer. Don't look to your job. Don't look to your, for these things as your source of significance or your source of purpose. Jesus is your source. Look to him and pray that for others. And therefore, we are able to give glory to him. We're able to demonstrate to the world the difference that Jesus makes. That we do believe that Jesus really is sufficient for all and every need in our life. And we're able, therefore, to glorify Him. To glorify Jesus, again, means to recognize His worthiness. The idea of the original word to to give glory to or glorify means the, means weightiness and, and worthiness we 're able to demonstrate to the world that Jesus is worthy that he is weighty that he is amazing, and he is great, and he's worthy of your life. He's, these men gave testimony today about why if you're here without Christ, you need to recognize him. We pray that, that our lives and that our relationship with Christ and that our, our joy and the change that Jesus has made in our life will demonstrate that we believe Jesus really is worth everything. He's, he's the treasure worth losing everything for, and we pray you'll come to understand that, that joy as well. And he closes here with an amen. And that's the word in the Bible which means, so be it. Let's all practice it together. Let's say it together. Amen. You ready? All God's people said, Amen. So be it. And we ought to, our, not only can we say that and should we say that, we ought to live that. Our lives ought to be the Amen to what has just been prayed and what's been expressed as the people of God. And, it's, and in the, the statement of, of uh, John Piper in Desiring Ministry, Their guiding statement is God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Are you so satisfied in Jesus that it's obvious to the world that you are so satisfied with Him and therefore Jesus is being put on display? He has been glorified through your life and through your relationship. And then is your life shouting Amen to the truth of who? Jesus is? Well, Paul said amen, but then he, like a good Baptist preacher, had a little more. I'm, I said Paul, I'm sorry. I've been being very careful not to say who the writer of Hebrews was, because we don't know, right? We don't know. Some people believe it was Paul, and they think some of the, 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 these things uh, are characteristic, but we don't know. The Holy Spirit didn't choose to tell us. The writer adds a little more." And so we're going to look at that. And we're going to call it under the next point because in in a sense he closed out, but again, the Spirit of God wasn't finished, so he has a little more. And so we're going to look at this third point, and that is the potential for blessing continued. The potential for blessing continued. Again, the the, uh, amen was an indication of the conclusion, but these brief words also inspired are not a part of that benediction, but they actually contain some important principles, I believe, for continuing the blessing in our lives. First of all, the first point I believe, principle for continued blessing and and potential is to keep enduring sound biblical preaching. Notice what he says in verse 22. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Now, I like this as 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 a Baptist preacher who is not noted for brevity, all right? He said, I have just given you a brief word. The book of Hebrews is brief. Amen. Actually, I'm told, I didn't try it. I'm told you can read uh, the book of Hebrews through in about 48 minutes. Well, obviously, we've been trying to, search, to, to dig out the, the, the nuggets of this wonderful uh, book of the word of God. But the principle is very important, and that is bear with Keep enduring, literally is what the idea, this exhortation. The word exhortation is used to speak of preaching. Some believe the book of Hebrews was actually a sermon. And, uh, and, and the preacher's saying, bear with my preaching. Keep on listening to the word that is preached. And again, I want to say to you, uh, we don't just, uh, when, we, when we leave here, we don't just leave here and, 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 as, and as James describes, uh, going away and forgetting what we saw. Uh, I, I listened to a, a, a podcast yesterday that was challenging, and I want to challenge you with this. And that is that when we when we leave here, one of the ways we keep on enduring and keep on allowing God's word to speak to us is talk about what we've heard. I en- encourage you over the lunch table today, and, and as as we do in our community group, talk about what you heard and what what God showed you, and and and, and allow God to. Continue that and do that during the week to continue to meditate on it. But also, uh, not only that, but again, continue receiving the word and uh, and keep on applying the word that is preached. Keep on obeying the word is preached. Keep on praying for those preaching and teaching the word of God. And as people of God who are love the word of God, we should not uh, be thinking about in in the light of this. You know, I wish the preacher would hurry up and get through. You know, i got things to do. My roast is on at home, you know. I, we want to get done here, you know. My pastor that I was uh, Karen and I, that married, Karen to me, he said, you know, I think people come to church to get out. He said, you know why I think that? Because they're going to say, preacher, what time are we going to get out today? What time are we going to get out? He said, they just come to get out. Well, don't just come to get out. Come to receive the word hunger on the Word, and realize that, you know, one of the things we've learned, and I know uh, Brian and, and others here and Jenny have, have gone to other countries and, and had the privilege of being on mission trips, one of the joys of being there is they're not in a hurry to get out. I mean, they, they love the Word of God, and they, they want more, and they're asking for more. What a joy. What a, we should follow their wonderful example in that regard. So again, keep on uh, enduring sound biblical preaching, keep on loving it. And as James 1.25 says, be the one, but the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will, be, uh, he will be blessed in his doing. So as you stay in the word, you're going to be blessed. You're going to know continued blessing in your life. But secondly, keep on loving, keep loving God's Family. And again, I see that even in this, the greetings that he mentions here. He says in verse 23, You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see if he comes uh, soon. And this, uh, many believe, of course, this is to be Timothy, the, uh, the one to whom was Paul's uh, disciple and companion in ministry, the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Interesting that, you know, we, we, did, we, we don't read about that in Scripture. Uh, but he obviously had, was in jail, and there is some traditional uh, historical belief that he was in prison for about a year, and that he was then released, which is an indication really of Timothy's faithfulness. He was faithful, and, and, and he stood firm as a good soldier, even though he tended to be rather timid. He obviously was bold enough and stood firm enough that he ended up in prison for it. And so, so the writer is saying he's, he's going to come, and I, I know you want to hear this good news. And so he's going to be coming with me. So they loved Timothy and they wanted to see him. And he was in prison. He was one of those that he described, no doubt in the book, that, that they had identified with and they prayed for uh, as a, a, and, and had taken up uh, his, uh, his imprisonment as one who was persecuted in that sense, as we are called to do as well. He also sends greetings to the leaders or the pastors Again, you see that principle of plurality of pastors there, as well as other saints or members of the church. They were connected with one another. They loved one another. They sent a message from those, of, those brothers in, uh, of Italy there. So again, there was a great uh, sh- demonstration of love for the people of God. And I just want to urge you, and I say to our, our new members to, that we're presenting today— That again, this is why the church is so vital. We need one another. We need to encourage one another and love one another and care for one another and hold one another accountable within the body. Hebrews 3.13, I remind you, says, "...but exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin." And then, again, finally, keep relying on grace. He closes really with another benediction. Verse 25, grace be with all of you. And again, that was a common greeting of the day, but for a believer, it means so much more. For you see, brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us by grace you have been saved. We are saved by grace. We didn't earn this. We don't deserve this. When we've been in heaven for 10 billion years, bright shining as the sun we'll still be saying, what am I doing here? I don't deserve, I, I should be in hell, but I'm in heaven. I don't deserve this. Praise God for the grace of God. But not only is that true that we're saved by grace, we're sustained by grace, we're kept by grace. And we're enabled by grace. This is no doubt God's enabling grace that he's praying that they might continue. And we too must continuously rely on grace. And we have grace, uh, we, we recognize grace, but we also have grace toward one another in our relationships. We struggle together and we have those attitudes. We, we have grace-based acceptance toward one another because we know we're fellow strugglers in this, in this life. And again, when Jesus told Paul, when, when he would not remove that, that thorn in the flesh from Paul, he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So we are blessed today. We're blessed to be a blessing. I'm reminded of that song, Make Me a Blessing, as I think about that. Out in the highways and byways of life, many are weary and sad. Carry the sunshine where darkness is rife, making the sorrowing glad. Make me a blessing. Make me a blessing. Out of my life, may Jesus shine. Make me a blessing, O Savior, I pray. Make me a blessing to someone today. It is our desire that as Christ has so blessed us we want him to u- we want to use us we've been blessed in order to be a blessing and to carry the blessing of the gospel to everyone well in his commentary on hebrews george guthrie concluded with a challenge that i want to challenge you with today challenge us with today he said i pray that you will heed the word of exhortation that is hebrews may you grasp fully the message of the exalted christ who has died for our sins and lovingly embraces in the new covenant. May you consider him fixing your eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. May you heed the warnings and exult in the promises of this book, following the good examples such as Abraham and Moses and avoiding the errors of the bad. May you receive an inheritance with the saints in the heavenly Jerusalem as we worship with the angels in joyful assembly. And I pray again for you today as we see here in this wonderful benediction. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can, as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, his death for you on the cross and his resurrection from the dead and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions, or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623, or email us at info at